Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to a galaxy far, far away. Here at the Cantina Podcast, we provide top-shelf service, including rumors, leaks, news, and reviews. Come in, order a Loman Ale, and remember, no droids allowed. And hello, everybody. Welcome to a, a very special Cantina here on the Genreverse YouTube channel and, and Genreverse Podcast Network. Available wherever you get your podcast from, as my phone is going off. Sorry about that. Um, we are uh, joined today. Who are we? Kyle and, and Cam. Shockey again, not here, slacking as as usual. But we are joined by a very special guest here to talk about a book. Uh, excuse me, sorry. A book that they uh, uh, participated in uh, writing, uh, Star Wars and Conflict Resolution. Scott, I don't want to mess up how to say your your last name, and my speech thing kind of causes me to do that often. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, dude, you got you got quite the bio in the back of this book. Introduce yourself to the to the audience, please. Well, well I want to say thank you, Kyle and Cam, for having me on the Cantina. Thank you for the opportunity to talk a bit about the book and talk about Star Wars. Um, so, I um, am you know also a, a mediator myself, so I deal with conflict resolution uh, for a living and also an adjunct uh, law professor. And so I am a contributor to this book, um, Star Wars and Conflict Resolution. And I have to um, say um, a lot of praise for the editors for this book. So it is edited by Noam Ebner and Jen Reynolds. Noam is a professor at Creighton University Law School and Jen is over at University of Oregon Law School. Uh, it was... It's, it was um, the, the great thing of working this project for them is unlike most edited works that I participated in, uh, it's not just sort of, you know, turn in your chapter and we kind of put together a sort of hodgepodge of different things. Um, they were strong visionaries. Uh, they've written parts of the book. Their, their feedback and their guidance was very strong in influencing kind of how things came out. So it's a very unified work so someone can pick this up and, and really um delve deep into star wars with kind of sort of a single um single voice single um thought single arc and and very much a lot of it follows um anakin yeah it was uh it was a it was a uh it was an interesting read uh to get in to get into uh, like you said, the way that they that it's designed, there's a lot more flow than what you do see in, in a lot of these kind of uh, uh, collaborative uh, books, which I did like. And uh, I was actually thrown for for a bit of a different loop when I was uh, going through it. I've read a few of these these like Star Wars and philosophy was one of the first uh, kind of like Star Wars in the real world applications uh, I can remember reading years ago. Um, and that one kind of felt a little bit more disjointed. So I like that. And it's cool to, it's cool to hear that that was actually like a, a planned aspect of it. And also, I guess I, um, I com constantly compliment the editors. I said they were the Marshall Lucas of editors. 
because <laughs> to me, Star, to me, Star Wars um, original trilogy is very strongly influenced by Marshall Lucas's editing, and I thought when we got to prequels, that's what was missing. So, who man, it sounds like we might have some uh, some some things in common there. Sky, is it cool to just call you Scott? Oh yes, please do. Out, outstanding um yeah i i would love to get into some uh into some thoughts cam do you want to I mean, yeah us, i mean i off? guess the, the first thing why star wars i mean what what was it, your first experience with star wars how did you come in at the star wars fandom yourself scott well so i was five years old in 1977 when this uh this first time movie just came out and you know, at that time i was you know pete's dragon disney kind of small child and suddenly when Star Wars came out, it changed my life. And, and not just changing my life in terms of fandom and science fiction, but also uh, gave me a lifelong love of cinema. Great. So, Very you cool. know, you're, you're an OG. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quite as OG as you because I'm a little bit too young. You've seen the original one. The first one I saw in theaters was Return of the Jedi in 1983. Uh, but, you know, so it was actually home viewing for me. And Kyle's a little bit younger than me again. So his first yeah. experience at cinemas was really the kind of special editions when they when oh, they yeah. hit back out in the kind of 90s again. But, but like me, you'd already been an, an adult by then. Um, yeah, I did get lucky. My my dad had a, a I believe it was H- HBO. I, I have a vague memory, but it could have just been another movie. He had them all recorded on on VHS via mm. <laughs> something on on TV. So those those were how I I first saw them. Uh, if if I'm not mistaken, Fort Lewis, Washington. I don't I don't know if we lived on. My dad was in the army. I don't know if we lived on base or if I was uh you know off base, but uh in an apartment somewhere around there. I was was the first time that I saw those. So uh, late eighties. You know, I think we're due for a Star Wars re-release. One of the charm charms of Star Wars was we had the '77 theater run, and that was you know kind of home video was starting to make its way in the market. But there was um, you know several re-releases. Uh, I saw one where they re-released Star Wars, called it Episode Four, and then had a special sneak peek at the end, kind of like Marvel does now with the post-credit scenes of Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but periodically, you see even repertoire cinemas. Then, of course, as you said, special editions, the um, the the, uh, yeah, kind the of trilogy of run as well, where they, they did the yeah. full trilogy in one mm-hmm. show and as well, because I remember going to that as a kid too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would leave your head spinning when you see a trilogy all at once. It yeah, does. I think I think I actually I'm going to be honest. I think I fell asleep and my dad woke me up. Um, <laughs> I see if I if I remember correctly, I fell asleep during Empire Strikes Back and woke up in Return of the Jedi. Um, sadly, but you know these things happen. I was probably young at the time. <laughs> it does. It does. I would love to see them re-release the the theatrical cuts, just the, uh, original, the original theatrical cuts. cuts. I, I would kill I would I mean, kill what, for that. Are they in a good state at the moment, though? I mean, you just you just don't know. Uh, uh, you there, know there's the, methods. My big surprise with Star I can tell you my Star Wars um, home video fantasy. Sure. So that they one day release Star Wars a lot like you know Criterion or Arrow and loaded with extras because if you start mm-hmm. going on YouTube, you see there's. Um, you know the test screen. You know the sorry the um, the cast was um, you know the um, the test screenings. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, yep. cap, yeah, but they yeah 
Uh, you see deleted scenes, you see alternate cuts, the entire cantina scene alternate cut is up there. I've read about a George Lucas cut of the film. It would be great for them to delve into those archives and put everything in high everything. quality and just let people explore drafts of the screenplays, just all in one place. I would love it. Well, let's explore a bit of the the book, and you you touched a little bit on on some of the uh, making, writing, creation of this book. Uh, but what brought you to it? What brought you to the idea of tackling Star Wars and and conflict resolution? So, um, uh, uh, Noam Ebner and Jen Reynolds had long wanted to write a book about Star Wars. They're huge fans, and so one day they put out a call for papers. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I love Star Wars. I'm gonna, you know, put in an answer. I didn't hear back anything for a couple of months, and I thought, oh, you know, it's like typical things. Yeah, you know, just it didn't make it in. And then they reached out to me, and said, hey, you know, um, would you, um, you know, would you be interested in doing the chapter, but just changing and changing your focus? And I was like, yes, I was so happy. You know, I'll, you know, I'll write whatever you want me to write. At that point. <laughs> I'll do it. This is, a, this is a great <laughs> opportunity to just play in someone else's sandbox. Very cool. And with that, your your uh, particular chapters on um, manipulation techniques, manipulation in, in negotiations, uh, you really focus on the uh, Jedi mind trick, something that we see throughout the throughout the saga. Um, why that? You, you mentioned, you know, you had something to ask you if you could write on on something different. Um, why was that one, you know, the one that you ended up with? And if you can say what was your original uh, topic going to be on? Out of curiosity. <laughs> well, actually, it was the same topic, different perspective. Oh, so okay. Since I normally do mediations, I sort of pitched it originally as um, mediator communication amongst the parties, kind of the mind tricks where it helps people, can potentially help people see each other's points of views. And Got it. then the editor said, hi, what about from the negotiation perspective? And so then I turned into the current, which I think is better because after doing that chapter, it changed how I view um, both Star Wars prequels and real life mediations. Mm -hmm. I was going to say you focused a lot on uh, aspects from the prequels, especially, of course, with the um, uh, Newt Gunry and, and the uh, trade dispute over over Naboo, even using lines from from that and some some nice wordplay I, I guess because that's where we you know well i'm guessing anyway maybe put mods in your mouth that's where we see it being unsuccessful more often as in the as in the prequel trilogy perhaps unsuccessful also the the perspective so if we if we take jedi mind trick as it's used in star wars it pretty much is a manipulation device so contrasting a little bit i'll 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 do heresy and step into star trek but contrasting with the Vulcan mind meld, where it's clearly used repeatedly by Spock to gain an understanding of the other side. Like the episode Devil in the Dark with the Horda. He merges his mind with the Horda to understand that point of view so they can reach a resolution, find common ground. The Jedi mind trick, uh, in contrast, is used very much as a manipulation technique. I'm gonna get in your mind and I'm going to change your attitude what I want. Yeah. And, and that to me is the foundation of the fall of the Jedi in that prequel, in those prequels, is when they show up, the Trade Federation doesn't look at them as, oh, these are honest, you know, neutral negotiators or mediators to help us resolve our problems in our trade dispute. No, they're going to force the settlement, their exact words, force the settlement, 
And they and even Qui-Gon with Watto tries to use the mind trick to get him to accept worthless credits and basically take his property from him. So the Jedi have actually devolved where the mind trick is undermined their credibility. So when you start seeing the fall of the Jedi and you wonder, well, how does the Republic so easily shift from you know Palpatine to from you know the Jedi Order, you, you see a lot of the foundations of right there. Yeah. Um I also uh Crap, sorry, I just lost I lost the thought that I was holding on to to, go, <laughs> to continue on. And this happens to me uh, uh, surprisingly a lot. Um, crap, because it was a follow-up. It's not on my notes because it was something that you had said, and I, I apologize oh, on that. You know, Kyle, that. I was saying that one of the things <laughs> is how it changed my real life. There you go. In a, go in go with that. <laughs> so, so basically, if you, the Jedi mind trick, the idea of manipulating someone is you know they, it's often referred to technically as distributive negotiation or really more commonly we think of as hardball tactics mm -hmm. this is the person when they they come in to negotiation they they're not there to to really initially find common ground with you like they're the one who's pounding the table they're, they're threatening I'm, I'm leaving i'm out of here i'm walking i'm not going to settle this i'm suing you i'm doing this. they're constantly um, sort of threatening, they're kind of, you know, taking very extreme positions, I want $10 million. They, they're attempting to sort of more manipulate the process, manipulate um, the negotiation. But like the Jedi mind trick, where the Jedi mind trick only works on the weak-minded, a hardball tactic can only likewise work on the weak-minded. Uh, it is the worst form of negotiation in my mind, because all I have to do against the hardball um, practitioner, the hardball negotiator is call them. Constantly yeah. call them. And every time you call them, they weaken and weaken further. And so when I have the hardball negotiator into the room, I'm always thinking, ah, Jedi mind trick. This is for the weak minded. It only works on the weak minded, you know? Yeah. And you, you went over that in the, in the book, there was the, uh, the different ways to kind of respond to them. And you talk about, you know, repeating or kind of cloning the, the, the tactic, turning it back on, on the person using it. Um, all things that I also find, find myself kind of doing when, when being a, being a, being a parent, it is crazy how, how similar, uh, parenting is to a lot of negotiation tactics and, uh, I don't know. Am I being held hostage by my kid? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I, dug, I dug that aspect of it because um, like, like you said, there's a lot of real life applications to to things like this. And it's fun to see it through the uh, through the Star Wars lens. I mean, th that's the fun thing about the book. I, like I said, it's very much written for fans. So people hearing about the book now shouldn't think like, oh no, this is a, a legal text or you know an introduction to conflict resolution. It, it very much is written from the point of view of you know just looking at the Star Wars universe from you know from the perspective of conflict and getting a little deeper dive into sort of the dynamics that's going on here in you know Episode One and the original trilogy. But um, but it also is kind of fun if you are someone who is an attorney or does dispute resolution because there's so many concepts that like if you if you enter that field you will hear interest-based negotiation um batna you hear all these terminology people throw it around and i'm not sure they even know what it is and so it's nice to see in a very interesting environment all these concepts laid out very you know simplified just like we we're talking about distributive negotiation hardball tactics 
Jedi mind trick. A good illustrations of what these what these are. Absolutely, and uh, the the book is a great read. I highly suggest uh, anyone that's into any of this, uh, whether from a like a fan perspective to kind of see uh, real world things applied to stuff in universe. Or if you're a bit of a, of a, uh, uh, knowledge geek, like I, I am, this is great to kind of dig into some of that real world stuff with a fun, uh, uh, star Wars flair. So the, uh, the book is star Wars and conflict resolution, Noam Ebner, Jen Reynolds edited by a lot of great, uh, uh, segments and writers in this say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill and we're going to talk in a little bit about a way you guys might be able to win a copy of of the book. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't talk Star Wars and conflict resolution without kind of digging into some of the conflict we see in Star Wars uh, uh, these days, online uh, across the the fandom, things dealing with you know which trilogy is best. Which trilogy is is even allowed to be called good? Which ones are bad? The the whole situation is very very uh, tense. Have have you noticed that, Scott? Looking looking around the world these days. Well, you know it's interesting you, you say that because for Star Wars fandom, we we have the most illustrate to the easiest concepts of uh, negotiation and and mediation. The first one is interest-based negotiation so you try to look at do you have a common interest and we all do we're all star wars fans we all love the movies we always want more content um and the other one uh, active listening that's trying to slow down and listen to like why people favor or think about certain films the way they do i, I mean i can say if you were listen to me i have i like the prequels and I can lay out exactly, you know, my reasons for each film. The, the Phantom Menace, because when I did enjoy it when it first came out, I saw it like four times in the theater. But over time, as I've watched it, The Phantom Menace is really a children's film, kind of like, you know, a little princess, something that you've taken your kids to on a Saturday morning matinee at the movie theater. And at that level, it works. I mean, you can see the intention, the the young um, child hero, uh, the comical Jar Jar Binks, the doo-doo joke. Uh, and for me, it works really well. The second one, the uh, Attack of the Clones, long since one I haven't liked as much, but as I've you know thought more about it, it's what we talk about, an editing problem. Shorten, yeah. shorten a few of those scenes, those romance scenes with Padme and Anakin, just shorten them a little bit remove Recast. a couple of scenes, add a couple more scenes back, take out the scenes with the uh, where he is admitting to killing Tuscan Raiders, and suddenly we, <laughs> we actually probably have a really tight film that, that really sets us up well for the, the third one. And of course, Revenge of the Sith, I don't know how we can argue with Revenge of the Sith. I, I don't. I don't know. I I can argue. How partial are you to that to that lightsaber duel? <laughs> I can extend. I can extend this interview for another we're, hour on on that. We're, we're traditionally not really fans of the twirly twirly kind of style of lightsaber yeah. fighting, and preferred some of the more kind of 
realistic, tense fighting that we that we got in the the original trilogy. What is your favourite trilogy though, out of the the three trilogies, like the the OT, the is it the prequels or is it even the sequel trilogy? Um, I'd have to go with the original trilogy because it's. Well, I, I guess I can go on two levels, original trilogy, because on, on the one hand, it's what I grew up with. It's what yeah. you know, introduced me to Star Wars. It created the universe for me. Um, but on the other hand, uh, objectively, I'm always going to go back and say Irvin Kershner directing Empire Strikes Back is just mm. the best. Um, yeah. yeah. They got someone. Yes. Uh, he he was actually done an interesting film called Loving before that, which is about a you know husband-wife relationship, uh, tense relationship. And it was such a great choice because you took someone who isn't, you know, a sci-fi guy, but yeah. as I read one place, he, he had to make Mark Hamill interacting with a, a puppet believable. Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. But he did. Yeah, it's he, he consistently pulled it off. It is, I mean, it's my favorite film of all time, so big respect to Irvin Keshner as, as a director. You know, he really didn't get enough kudos for that film and then subsequent success coming on after it for me so 100 percent out of uh curiosity what of uh what of the last few years which is mostly just the shows uh what of the last few years of, of star wars have you seen and what have you kind of uh thought of star wars post uh um sequel trilogy post yeah. re, uh rise of skywalker um, I've been actually, I must have been getting behind more on the, the Disney content. Uh, I find that there's a lot of content on streaming, so it's hard to keep up. So I'm still kind of back at the beginning of Mandalorian. Okay. But, but I, I, I did see Obi-Wan Kenobi. But um, I think my impressions are a little hit or miss with Disney because uh, one of the things I've liked about Mandalorian, and I think Andor is another one doing this well, they, they, they're doing a good job in those ones of having, you know, having a situation, you know, having a situation where the, the universe is established, but mm -hmm. the Skywalker trilogy is a tight, tight story that is, um, you know, the heart and soul of it. So you have to explore the universe. There's more things there, but do so in a slightly innovative way. Yeah without tying yourself too much. And I think like Mandalorian and, and or able to kind of take these other characters of the stories and set them within that universe and kind of build upon it. Yeah, I, I agree. We're, we're big fans for, for, for a while as the sequel trilogy was coming to an, to an end, I had said, you know, take a, pick a direction, future or past, throw a thousand years between where we're at, either forward or back. Don't care. Thousand years huge galaxy wide open uh possibilities uh i i i grew up where my star wars was the was the eu because that's all i ha i wasn't getting any new content from you know like i said i discovered it there in the late 80s and you don't get any new new content really until 99 99's uh phantom menace so i lived off of eu books written by mike stackpole and kevin j uh kevin j anderson and and um uh, Timothy Timothy Zahn, of course. Uh, did you ever get into any of the EU, the books, comics, games, or anything? Oh yeah, I uh, grew up. Actually, the largest collection of comics I have collected was Star Wars. Nice. Uh, keeping up with those original Marvels. What one of the things that I, um, you know, I loved about EU is 
for example, the, the Han Solo trilogy, you know, Han Solo's mm -hmm. Revenge, Han Solo at Star's End, Han Solo Lost yeah. Legacy. So a lot of those EU is, they were so great that rather than tie themselves too much to a particular story arc in the existing films, which always sets you up for like, hey, that's contradiction or that yep. doesn't work or it gets superseded. They, they treat it all of J.J. Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact they treat Han Solo like Indiana Jones. Like he, he has lots of crazy adventures with Chewbacca and we can just tell different stories. So they did the same with Lando Calrissian. And, and then like I said, Timothy Zahn was so great at, um, cause I remember reading uh, Heir to the Empire when it first came out and he, he had the feel, it felt like Star Wars. Mm -hmm. he Absolutely. That's, that's good. Um, you know, my favorite EU books of course were uh, Rogue Squadron. I had the great, pleasure of uh speaking with mike mike sackpole for almost two hours i think it was mm. um about every everything we talked uh the uh satanic panic he was a i don't know uh if you know much about him but he was a game developer and and uh was real big in in kind of a um uh, independent media on on and and uh on situations like like that um really cool guy uh, but I love the Rogue Squadron books and the uh, the dog fighting. Like Star Wars for me was always, you know, light on the Star Warring part of <laughs> of the title. Um, I love the big fight in in uh, Return of the Jedi, but the the sequel trilogy really just disappointed me in the lack of Star Wars. Uh, what and and we were supposed to get a Rogue Squadron movie. Jury's still out on that. Um, what would you like to see out of the future of of Star Wars movies or shows? Is there a, a yeah, character like realm you, you want to explore? If you yeah. could do it, yeah. You, you know, if I had, if I was um, over in Lucasfilm, one thing I would love to see is Ron Howard getting to direct another Star Wars movie. Because remember, for Solo, he was, I mean, George Lucas had apparently brought, asked brought him, would you, yeah. Yeah, would you be willing yeah, to do a Star Wars yeah. movie with me? And he, they did Willow together. And in Solo, he was, you know, pinch hitting in a cleanup move because yeah. halfway through production. But the thing that struck me about Ron Howard directing Star Wars was it felt like original trilogy Star Wars. Like, just like Timothy uh, Zahn really got the vibe in Heir to the Empire and that trilogy, he, he, got, he knows Star Wars. And I would love to just see him be able to make another Star Wars film from start to finish. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it would be a good opportunity to see see what he would do with a with a different project, like actually, because say. it is yeah, because it did feel like that for that to be his only, you know, shot at the. I know his daughter is now you know working mm -hmm. her way up. I mean, I could I could see Bryce Dallas uh, get a movie before before he did actually. Um, several in, great in terms of the way Mando episodes. She's been working quite regularly in Mando, and she's really kind of building up her her, her you know her CV as a as a director and and someone to work with in Star Wars. And you know, I think you can see how she's improved as well. But but yeah, I, I wouldn't be against Ron Howard, but. Uh, as long as it was someone giving him a good script, because I don't really see him as a writer for Star Wars, I must admit, but um, I, I would be up for, for seeing him directing one for sure. Yeah, Any particular... It, oh, go, go ahead. I would say go the ahead. difficult thing with Solo is, um, again, there's, there's one thing, if I'm critical of one thing of, of movies is, you, you make it hard, I think, when you tie it too much. Like, it's too prequely to say how you got the Millennium Falcon. 
uh, how you got this. You're too tied down. Explain too many things. Yeah. 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 We, we felt like that as well. Like everything, it felt like they, they went through a checklist of everything that they had to explain off. And I think, like you talked about the books that went in, he's had Solo's life. And as you say, I think Solo would have be been better if it was just a, a, a segment of Han Solo's life and some of the crazy stuff that he used to get involved in in his younger pirate days. I think that would have been a, a more sellable film than the kind of proto rebellion type 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 deal that that, yeah. that we kind of really got in Solo. But you know, I guess that's that was that was my my issue. Besides the the box checking for how does he meet Chewie? How does how does he get the Falcon? How does he do the the Kessel Run? How do you change distance into into time? Um, my biggest issue was having him doing all the all the right things for the right reason before the Death Star run because it kind of ruined that whole moment where Han was <laughs> was challenged by these 17 18 year old kids in Luke and Leia to be a part of something bigger and better and he walks away at first takes the money and runs and then comes back because of those two it really took away from that to have him do the right thing for the for the right reason for the rebellion in in solo but eh. do you ever remember i don't know if you ever read them but the original marvel star wars comics when they started um with i guess it was issue seven or eight when when it got past the film star wars mm -hmm. film and into the continuing stories they actually started with han solo mm -hmm. and it was great because they explained how he lost all his money from uh from the reward and kind of what he ends up doing and how he sort of ends up sort of this kind of magnificent seven sort of western style you know conference yeah adventure with these different um various bounty hunters and aliens and mm -hmm. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, it's it's great. He was always a, always a great character to follow. Um, so 
about the uh, about the book, we we said to the audience, uh, and thanks so much for the great conversation on on Star Wars, Scott, and bringing uh, bringing us the book, sending me a copy of the book book to to enjoy. Cam was supposed to get one. Unfortunately, some mail stuff happened, and he wasn't able to get the whole book. So we're going to give his his away to one lucky <laughs> one lucky listener. Um, now I uh, I had mentioned we could do a uh, a trivia question. Did you have one in mind, Scott yourself? Yes, I have one that I you've got so. one. All right. Okay. So what we'll do is uh, to the audience, uh, you guys, we're going to take the first five uh, people that respond correctly to either Kyle M at LRMonline.com or you can uh, direct message me at that Kyle Malone on Twitter. I know not everyone is using the twits these days. So uh, Kyle M at LRMonline.com links will be down below. Uh, we'll take the first five correct answers. We'll put those in a hat. We'll draw from that, and uh, that will be the winner. Sound sound fair, Scott? Yep, sounds good. All right, then, Scott, give us the trivia question for, for the audience. Okay, so I'm going to narrow the scope a little bit to make it a little easier. All right, so what regular cast member of the TV show Cheers appeared in The Empire Strikes Back? Nice. Deep cut there. Deep cut there. So you guys, again, (laughs) first five, Kyle M at LRMonline.com. You can also send me a direct message uh, at that Kyle Malone on Twitter. And uh, Cam and I will have those uh, names and the hat and all that for you guys on our on our next uh, Cantina Reviews episode uh, next Wednesday for for the Mandalorian uh, season three, episode two review. Well, again, Scott, it was great to have have you on. A great conversation. I really, really do appreciate it. We don't get to do enough of these uh, here on on the genreverse. LRM channel takes all the all the the interviews. So, thank you very much for for being a part of the, <laughs> being a part of the uh, uh, the cantina here. No, thanks for having me. I love the cantina, and it's just so much fun getting to talk about Star Wars. It is. It is, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'll I'll go ahead and throw out all the you know what I'm gonna do some magic in post. I'm not gonna have you sit here while I'm reading off a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, yeah, guys, uh, listen to future Kyle now. Hope you guys all enjoyed this special episode of the Cantina and the interview with Scott. It was a lot of fun. Check out the book. Be sure to uh, try to win the book, uh, and of course, check out uh, everything that we have to offer here on the Genreverse YouTube channel. Uh, we've got anime stuff with AVR, AVR squared. We've got the daily cup of genre, Breaking Geek Radio, covering everything you can imagine in entertainment, and of course, uh, the Cantina for Star Wars, Marvel Multiverse Mayhem. Or Marvel, and uh, if you uh, like trailer reactions, we got those two on on Genre Shot trailer reactions, all one channel. Uh, if it's not a, a reaction video uh, podcast, audio versions of all of our reviews and 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 podcast shows go up on your favorite podcast apps. Uh, so give us a follow on that, and of course check out LRM online.com every day for all entertainment uh, all entertainment news needs, opinions, celebrity interviews, and more. Uh, yeah, thanks again to Scott, Cam, you already dipped out, it's all good, I, I got this, may the force be with you.